0: Revelation 22, verse 6, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the Holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. When I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The Bible said, I'm alpha and omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches I'm the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that hear us say, come. Let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall Add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Notice what John said. Amen. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. You may be seated. Look here in your Bible at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's three texts that grasp my heart this week as I prepare for this service tonight. And they're very similar, yet there's a little bit of truth after each announcement that our Lord makes in the close of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. In Revelation 22, seven, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The Bible said in Revelation 22 and verse 20, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Now I wanna preach tonight on the challenge of Christ's coming. The challenge of Christ's coming. It's not enough for us to believe intellectually even though the Bible does say that Jesus is coming. It's not enough for you and I to believe that Christ is coming, but we also must be challenged and be motivated practically to respond to the coming of Christ. In the New Testament era, the believers would even greet each other in their culture. They would greet each other with the term from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. That term is Maranatha. Maranatha means our Lord doth come. I believe that Jesus Christ is going to return. And you and I that are born again are gonna be leaving with him. And so I'm preaching tonight on the challenge of Christ's coming. Let's pray. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts, Lord, we know what you gave us for this hour. Lord, we don't have to be moved away from the hope and the truth and the assurance that you put put in our heart that this is the message that you've given to us tonight. Thank you God for the good day already. The good service thus far. The good songs of Zion and the reality of the truth of those songs that teach and admonish. I I pray you remind us tonight from the truth of the Bible. The things that we need to be reminded of give us if we need one. A rapture, refresher and bring back to our remembrance tonight. The things that we should be reminded of in this critical hour in our world. I pray you'd magnify your son, the Lord Jesus, through us. Help us to magnify the theme of this book in the Bible and see how it is put together in such a marvelous way. And Father, we'll thank you for it for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This book in the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter one, verse one, saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The revelation, the last book in our Bible, is the capstone of the scripture. It is tonight the grand prophetic masterpiece of the New Testament. It closes up our New Testament in the twenty-seventh book, the last book of the New Testament. And yet it's not just the bookend of the Bible. This book is given to us to unveil Jesus Christ. It is not just a a series of visions, it is not just a series of of vials and beasts and signs uh, and symbols uh, but this book is to unveil to you and I the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It's given as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's caused by God to bring in our view and to expose uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Not only does it unveil the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it unfolds future things for you and I. There are some that tell us don't read that book. It'll scare you. That is not what John tells us though. He tells us in chapter 1 verse 3 that we ought to read it because it will bless us. I do believe that John tells us through this book in the Bible about those things which must shortly come to pass. You and I that are saying have God's book to reveal to us what the future is for our world seven times. The noun prophecy appears in the book of Revelation in chapter one, verse three, the Bible said, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the word of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And so God gives us, though there are prophetic announcements in the New Testament in other places, God gives us this book, as the prophetic picture, the speaking forth of his mind. Prophecy is the speaking forth of the mind and counsel of God. God is the only one that can tell the future. Amen. He tells us what's going to happen as if it is already taken place. He holds it in his hand. And that's why this book shows its centerpiece. The centerpiece of Revelation is Jesus Christ. And yet it is not just Jesus Christ, but it's Jesus Christ on the throne of the universe. 39 times in the Revelation, he reveals that throne is mentioned, And so prophecy is the Speaking forth of the mind and counsel of God, it is also foretelling events, some of which will take place in the future. And so, the pinnacle of prophecy is the coming of Jesus Christ. We have both comings in this book in the Bible. In fact, though our sister sang largely about the coming of Christ in glory, Revelation 1-7 said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. After rapture, every eye will not see him. The Bible said in Hebrews 9, Unto them that look for him shall he appear without sin unto salvation. But rest assured, child of God, that Jesus Christ is returning. And so the pinnacle of all prophecy is the return of Jesus Christ. And so I say that both of those comings are presented in this book in the Bible. Now I want to preach a bit about that tonight. First of all, the importance of his coming. But uniquely so. Did you know that the revelation tells us seven times that that Jesus Christ will come again? The Bible tells us in chapter one and challenges us that that our Lord will come in a wonderful way way I believe this verse in chapter 1 verse 7 is a reference to Christ coming in glory he will come back he will touch down on the Mount of Olives he will set up and rule on the throne of his father David but before he comes in that manner he'll first come back for his bride at the closing of this chapter that we read just a moment ago In Revelation chapter 22, the Bible said, he said, surely I come quickly. I do believe exactly what he said. I wonder if we can say like John said, even so come Lord Jesus. And so we have in this book in the Bible, the picture of the return of Christ for his bride, Jesus, before he comes back at the end of the tribulation in all his glory, his first coming back for his own. Bride, the born again believers, those in the church that know the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the Bible said there's gonna come in Revelation chapter four and verse number one. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I believe you and I are listening for that sound. I believe we're listening for the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the Savior. I believe that we are on the very verge of going to heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. I realize that Satan has done as much as he can throughout all society to try to ridicule the truth of the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several years ago, there was an apocalyptic cult. Just a very small amount of people that publicized, they believed that Jesus was coming back at the passing of the Halebot Comet. And some of them did unusual things. And you heard about it on the news. I want to tell you, it's not going to take a comet to get you an eye from this world that had been born again. It's going to be like metal to a magnet. As soon as Jesus said, come up hither, this world is going to lose its hold on you and I. The gravitational forces are not going to be able to hold us while we're here. And one of these days, hallelujah, when he shouts from the realms above, You and I are not gonna have to skip our heels to get a head start. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the mountains or on the plain. Thank God and the lamb forever. You and I are gonna leave this world by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the return of Christ for his bride is before the tribulation period it's before the time of trouble that is to come upon this world. To be specific the revelation reveals the fact that you and I are leaving in chapter 4 and the time of great sorrow and the time of great judgment is going to begin in chapter 6 from chapter 6 to chapter number 19 there is no mention of the church which reveals that God has indeed delivered us from the wrath to come. I'm glad I'm not going through one day, one month, one year of the tribulation period. Somebody say amen right there. I'm thankful our Lord has saved me from the wrath to come. And so Christ is coming for his own when he shouts from the realms above. And then at the close of the tribulation period, before the kingdom starts, our Lord is gonna come with his own. And the revelation in chapter 19 presents the portrait of you and I coming back with him as part of the armies of heaven. When he comes back, he's gonna put down all rebellion. You and I are not gonna have to fight. He's gonna destroy any enemies by the sword of his mouth. His coming before the tribulation for his own is what we often call the rapture. His coming with his own is what we call the revelation. When he reveals himself to the entire world and those Jews will wail for him and they'll say from whence have you received these wounds? Like Zechariah said and he'll say in the house of my friends. Oh I I want to say tonight, Jesus Christ, in this book in the Bible, it is affirmed over and over, our Lord is indeed coming back. Now, you and I can see the importance of his coming as it is seen in the New Testament. References to our Lord's return versus those of his first coming are found to be eight to one. That is, for every time it mentions his first coming, There are eight references to one concerning the return of Christ. 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament reveal that our Lord is indeed returning. Seven out of every 10 chapters, one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament say that Jesus Christ is coming back. The Bible reveals the Lord Jesus himself referred to his return 21 times in the gospel era. Can I say he said to his own just before he went to Calvary's cross, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so if you're not saved, you are not prepared for the coming of Christ. If the Bible is boring, if the church is some place you don't want to be, if you have no real hunger and desire for God, you better check up and make sure that you really got saved because heaven's going to be a nightmare for somebody like you because all of us that you think We're crazy are gonna be up there praising and honoring and glorifying the Lamb of God and the Lord of glory, I say hallelujah. Listen friend, it's time to get prepared. If you're not saved, today is the day of salvation. And I'd say further, if you're not right with God, it's time to get your heart right with the Lord. And you may even as a Christian not be prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, prepared, yes, say, but like Lot, you'll lose all your rewards. When Lot was snatched out of the cities of Sodom and those places where he had comfortably come to reside, he got so comfortable in Sodom that Sodom got into his children And they had no concern for their soul. They had no concern for the things of God. And when he went to his married daughters, he seemed as one that mocked because, listen, friend, he could not get Sodom out of his own family. He had sat down in comfort. Listen, now it's a sad thing to think about if there's gonna be church people that know the Lord and yet, listen, they live so comfortably in this world and they have blended in with the cross. Wild. and they're like a chameleon. If somebody's cursing, they can go there and they can curse with the best of them. If they are telling vile, dirty jokes, they can laugh alone with the rest of them. Oh, but I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna come a day, friend, when the Christ of Calvary returns and snatches his bride out from this world. If you're a Christian and you're not living for Christ, I'd say you ought to get your heart right. Ought to run to Calvary tonight and say, Lord, I'm not living as if that you could return at any hour. And so I'd say you and I that are saved ought to put our lives in the place where it ought to be so we can show the importance of Christ coming around us. Isn't it sad to see so many Christians live it as if Jesus is never returning? A lot of people are living as if Jesus is never gonna return at all. The Bible said not forsaking the assembling ourselves together, as the manner of some is." but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You mean to tell me on Wednesday night when you have no desire to be in the house of the Lord that you believe he's coming? I want to say to you tonight if Jesus came back on Wednesday night, there'd be a lot of church members left behind, those that had never been born of God and yet sadly there's some like Lot that have lived for this world and they're my friend gonna face the Lord and be ashamed and now little children, John said, abide in him that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I want to say it's important tonight. You and I that are saying are seeing some of the final elements that come into alignment with the Bible. We're seeing current events that, that people like Oliver B. Green and Harold B. Sattler and other great men of God have told us for years we're coming and yet you and I are standing on the ground and we're looking at them with our own eyes and yet some of you are still cold and indifferent. You're holding on to your sins, and yet you need to get your heart right and realize that that Jesus is coming. Ready or not, he is returning. I want to say tonight, not only is there the importance of his coming, but there's also the imminence of his coming. We're reminded in the book of the Revelation of these words. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast, that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He's encouraging them to remain steadfast. In Revelation chapter three and verse 11, have you held fast that which thou hast? Have you held fast that which you have learned? How many of us have defied the very truths that we said that we believe? You used to say you believed in tithing or giving and you used to believe in missions and now there's no record of your giving and your sharing and sowing into the work of God. He said, hold fast that which thou hast. You used to believe in holiness and living right until those around you begin to want to go astray and go in a different direction. And you say, well, maybe it's not as bad as it used to be. Maybe it's not all as bad as I said it was. Yet the Bible said, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Oh, the Bible said, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 7. The Bible said in Revelation twenty two twelve, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. The Bible said in Revelation twenty two twenty, He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. I'm preaching about the imminence of Christ coming. What that means is he could come at any moment. The Bible speaks of the suddenness of Christ coming. Revelation 22, three times. Also in chapter three, behold, I come quickly. The word quickly means speedily. It means with haste or without delay. Our Lord is coming quickly. And sometimes I've heard even gospel songs that seem to portray that somehow that when Christ comes that that people that are lost are gonna be able to kinda set things in order and get things right. Listen, you're not gonna have time to get right when the Lord returns in power. There'll be no scurrying around like a person who realized they missed a bill at the last moment or realized they passed a deadline at a critical hour. Listen, if you're not prepared, tonight is the time to get prepared. He is indeed coming quickly. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52, in a moment, In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the word moment refers to the most minute and indivisible part of time. It is what the Bible qualifies as the twinkling of an eye at the speed of light that light strikes the retina of the eye and light travels at 186,000 miles per second, how is it you believe? You're gonna have some time somehow to get this swept up over here, to get this fixed up over there. Listen, it's not time, friend, to sit back on God and act like somehow you've got another day or another opportunity. It's time tonight to get things in order because of the suddenness of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming faster than the speed of light. Can I remind you he's coming suddenly. Sadly, there are going to be many that are left behind. And sadly, there may even be some sitting in this building tonight that if Jesus came, you would be left behind. You have no real biblical salvation experience. And I realize in the Bible Belt, We've been poisoned by a gospel that says repeat a prayer, have an experience, go about your way, and there's no new creature, there's no repentance, there's no regeneration, there's no life change. And friend, I'm going to tell you, that is another gospel. That is not the gospel that the Bible declares. A person cannot come to Christ unless they turn from their sins. Listen, repentance is not a speed bump. Repentance is an about phase. It turns your life in another direction. Regeneration is when the life of God moves in on the inside of your heart. What is it that took me on a Sunday when I got saved? I used to spend every Sunday afternoon in the pool hall. And yet I knew, Brother Mark, when I got up off my knees, I was not going to the pool hall. I knew that very moment I was not going to get drunk on Sunday night. I knew that very moment that Bud was a dud. I knew that very moment, friend, that, that some things had passed away in my life and that all things have become new. And if you've not had a, an experience of grace that includes a transformation and a life change, I, I want to say you ought to ditch everything you've got. You ought to toss it to a side and say, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to miss the rapture. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be condemned and left outside and condemned to the lake of fire. You're coming back quickly. Like the Bible said, suddenly our Lord is returning. Not only is he returning suddenly, but his returning is going to be for many a great surprise. It's going to be a great surprise. Now I'm going to say this clearly that Jesus is not coming for me like a thief in the night. Now listen carefully to what I'm saying. Our Lord is not coming for me like a thief in the night. Now, if you were to go home tonight and go in your house and take those things that are most valuable to you, whatever they are, if they are cash, I got these pieces of gold or whatever you value the most. that Nobody would look at you and say, hey, don't steal those things. You know why? You're not stealing something that already belongs to you. Jesus is not coming upon me as a thief. He's already purchased me. He's gonna take me to where he desires for me to be. That where I am there, you may be also. But ye, brethren are not in darkness that, that they should overtake you as a thief. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 4, Christ is not coming on the church as a thief, but he is coming upon the world as a thief. That is, he is going to come upon the world as a thief. That is, the most valuable things to God in this world are those that he is purchased by his own blood. The jewels of God are you and I. You and I are the most valuable things to Jesus Christ in this world. And one of these days, he's going to call from the realms above. One of these days, he's going to shout from the realms above. And you and I that are his jewels, you and I that are those that have been bought by his blood and dwelt by his spirit, sealed until the day of redemption. You and I are going to be brought out from this world and taken to be with him. But for many, it's going to be a surprise. Sadly, there's probably some sitting in here and if Jesus came before you got to the parking lot tonight, you would be left behind. And I want to say that it will be a surprise and it will be a sad surprise because you're not prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you also of the severity of his coming. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 11. Revelation twenty-two eleven. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Our Lord reveals the finality of the judgment. So let me get this right. You say you're saved, but you have no desire for the Bible. Something's wrong here. Now, those of you that have been telling people for years that you know that they're saved, you need to stop it. You need to stop it. You need to stop telling other people that they're saved. The only person you know is saved is you. The only person I know is saved is me. But I want to tell you this, God's people have some birthmarks on their life that identify them. 1 John is a book that identifies you and I as Christians by God's birthmarks. Many of you would not know this today, but when I was born, I had a birthmark on one part of my face. Sometimes in elementary school, you know, little elementary kids, they can be brutally honest. And a little kid looked at me one morning and said, do you wash your face? And I said, yes. Every day. They said, do you know that you've got a spot on your face? I said, absolutely. I've had it ever since I've been born. But I had a mark that was placed on me at my birth. And I believe that God's children have some marks about them. The Bible teaches us that you and I, we know we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. Amen. But the Bible said here that those who are unjust, they're going to be unjust still. Those that are filthy, they're going to be filthy still. I want to say this to you tonight. I don't care about going any place where people are drinking liquor and booze and sitting around cursing God's name. Nothing about any of that attracts me at all. That doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Now if you say there's going to be some preaching going on, that crowd's not going to be anywhere near that. But I want to say this, when you look at this verse in the Bible, it reveals the finality of judgment and the fate of those who reject Christ in this closing chapter. Those who have decided in time that they will remain unjust and they want to remain filthy in their sins. Listen, there's there's something about being saved that From the very earliest days of my life, I desired for my life to be clean. I didn't know all that it involved. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But I I got up every day of my life, and really, it's been like this every day. I don't always accomplish all I set out to do, but every single day in my life, since that day that I got saved, every day there's a reality on the inside of me that desires to be clean. And the Holy Spirit is taking the Holy Scriptures and through the holy nature of God on the inside of me desires to be clean. Amen. I was out at the car wash years ago and there was, a, there was a man there with his young son and he's playing some rap music. And I went up to talk to him just a little bit. I didn't, I didn't come to fuss at him about his music, but I went up to talk to him a little bit about Jesus Christ. I talked to him a little bit and I went away with this thought in my mind. If that young child listens all their life to the vile, filthy language of rap music, could I get an amen right there? If that young child listens to people who curse God, use God's name in vain, does it do anything in your heart when you hear somebody take God's name in vain? In our day, women are just as filthy mouthed as men are. A lot of them can curse worse than men can. Do, does it bother you when somebody uses God's name in vain? Does it bother you when you hear vile, filthy language coming out of the mouth? And I, and I hear people really that say they're saved and they blew up the air with all their vile, filthy words. And I'm talking about the first month I was saved. I was over on aisle number four in that grocery store and I got frustrated and I stopped for just a minute and a word come to my mind and I'm telling you, I stopped and it's almost like you dumped a bucket of manure on me. And I stood there and I almost burst into tears. I said, Lord, I said, I talked the wrong way most of my life. I don't want to talk like this anymore. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me and you're going to have to teach me. And I remember there were people on the job that were even lost that would rebuke me and scold me. Had a man that was a sailor. Can you imagine a sailor that was lost say to me that I was using vile language that I shouldn't be using? Can you imagine people that weren't even Christian people that reproved me because of my vile speech and yet when God saved me and he came into my heart, they said, I don't know what happened to you but I know you're a different person. I want to tell you my desires were no longer for filth and ungodliness, unjustness and filthiness. My desires were to be clean before God. So if you've decided that you're going to go on in your life In a way that you decided you're going to remain unjust or unjustified, unforgiven, filthy in your sins. You're going to remain that way even after you die. So that I believe if you're an old pervert, an old child molester, this really bothers me. I, I think there's a special place in hell for people like this that put their hands on little children And I believe it's a vile, ungodly, perverted thing for man or woman. It's not always just men, by the way, ladies. Sometimes it's women that do these things. Dear God, help us now. I feel like my mind needs a little bit of a bath even mentioning it. But you think about this. You think about those perverts that are in hell screaming out tonight because they got that old rage and lust in them and they're they're catching all kinds of people now police officers and school teachers and and public officials and all these in these stings where they have tried to solicit some some young girl or some young boy on a website and they go and they find out that are police officer's there and they haul them off to jail. But listen when you get to hell or the lake of fire, you're going to crave that for all eternity and yet not be satisfied. If you're a drunkard, you're going to desire the drink for all eternity and not be satisfied. And the Bible said those that, that are decided in time, to remember unjust. They don't want Christ. They don't want his cleansing. They don't want the blood. And the Bible said they're going to remain the same way after they die. The scripture said, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. A righteous, a person that's been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Imputed the righteousness of Christ. A person who has been made righteous for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Those who have decided for Christ and received his righteousness and their life has become a righteous life as they press toward the mark, they know they fail God. In fact, nobody knows it as much as they know how much they fail God. Their victories are sweet, but their failures are sorrowful because they don't want to fail God. But a person who has, through Christ, been made righteous, and through Christ, who has been counted holy. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. See, one of the reasons why I'm not going to be out of place in heaven is because I don't go places where It's dark and people are doing devilish and wicked things. I don't fit in in that crowd. I like certain types of events, sporting events. And the last time I went to one, it's been years and years ago. And we were standing in the stadium and the guy that was right one row down in front of us, he, he cursed God about every other sentence of his speech. And I said to the brother that I came with, I said, listen. I said, I enjoy the event, but I'm not here to listen to somebody curse God every other sentence. And I got up and we headed for the car and I never looked back. You say, preacher, you're in the world. I am. But there's some things I don't have to subject myself to. Some things I don't have to subject myself to. But I am looking forward to the coming of Christ. I'm looking forward to being in a land where everybody talks right. I'm looking forward to being in a land where everybody dresses right. There's gonna be a day when those of us who have been made righteous in Christ and counted holy in Christ, we're gonna be righteous still and even more holy than we ever have been. Because we're going to be in the pure likeness of Jesus Christ. I really look forward to that day. I don't know about you. My wife and I rise early every day. And I was up really early this morning. And just so many people on my heart. And so much of a desire to meet with God and spend time with him. And yet every day I never make it to bed without having to say, Lord, I missed it right here today. I never make it through an entire day without saying, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I missed it right here in my life or I wish that I had done this different or I wish I hadn't missed that opportunity to tell that person about Jesus. Lord, I wish I hadn't neglected to do this or I wish I hadn't procrastinated about this in my life. I can say tonight after 41 years of being saved, I have not lived one single day of perfect life. If you could get to heaven by your own righteousness, there's no way I could go. By the way, there's no way you could go either. But I'm looking forward to his coming. I'm not finished with the message, but let me say this. There's a man in yonder glory I've loved for many years, He's cleared my guilty conscience and has banished all my fears. He's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and no time will be allotted for you to utter one goodbye. No time to kiss the husband or embrace the loving wife if they are but united in the bonds of holy life. Are you ready, Christian, ready for shout and trump and voice? Will his coming make you tremble or cause you to rejoice? Are you walking, talking with him daily, taking to him your care? Do you live so close to heaven that the shout would bring you there? I wonder tonight how many of us, if Jesus came before we went to bed tonight, how many of us would have to meet him at the judgment seat And say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, you died for me. But I failed you so miserably. And I didn't live like you were returning. I didn't live my life like you were coming again. I settled down into the world like Lot. And anybody that reproved me, I hated them. And I I gave them grief. And I wanted them out of my life. Lord, I realize now I shouldn't have lived such a careless life. But as a Christian, Lord, all I can say is I'm sorry. And then there at the judgment seat, like wood, hay, and stubble, your works go up in a puff of smoke. There's no crown. I realize all the gospel singers tell us all of us are gonna wear a crown, but that's not what this Bible said. You better listen carefully. You say, Preacher Winslow, you're awfully mean. No, I'm awfully accurate about what I'm trying to say that it be biblical. All of us are not going to wear a crown. In fact, Revelation said, hold fast that thou hast, that no man take thy crown. The scripture said, hold fast. Now I believe that scripture we read in Revelation 3, hold fast that thou hast, that no man take thy crown. There will be some there at the judgment seat that will be able to have a crown or more crowns to cast down at Jesus' feet. And I don't think my life is all that marvelous, but I want to tell you this. I do want to have something to lay at Jesus' feet. I do want to hear him say, well done. And like the old preacher used to say, he's not going to say well done if you've not done well in the Christian life. How many excuses have you offered to God this week as to why you wouldn't do this Christian practice or put this priority in order in your life? How many things have you justified that you know are wrong in your life? And the sad thing is the devil has some of you so asleep that you have, you've forgotten that there are people in your family that are lost and you're still sleeping right on. You turned over in your pew in your heart tonight and said, Preach on, preacher. I'm not listening tonight either. And yet one day when Jesus comes, all this is going to become a reality. All this is going to be your wake-up call. But for those that are lost, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late to get your family saved. It's going to be too late for you to get serious about saying to them, and by the way, they need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from you. Listen, I love you. And I don't want you to go to hell, but I'm afraid you're not saved. And I, want, I just want to plead with you. One of the things that got a hold of grandma's heart was, my wife sat across from her and said, Mom, I love you, but I'm just afraid you never have been saved. And through tears and through a burden, she said to her, I'm afraid you never have been saved. And God shook her up. And through a period of days, God drew her in Holy Ghost conviction God brought her into the family of God one Sunday morning while we stand with their heads bowed and their eyes closed.